0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live, the season finale of the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. I'd like to thank everyone who joined us every Sunday at noon for, throughout this entire season for this interactive uh, discussion on the Orlando Magic. Uh, it's been fantastic getting to interact with you. I hope you've been able to get something out of these Facebook Lives, whether you're watching on Facebook Live Live or listening to it on Locked On Magic. My name, of course, is Philip Rosenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com and, of course, the host of Locked On Magic. You can follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR_OMD. omd The Orlando Magic season ended this week, a win over the Washington Wizards. They ended up firing Coach Frank Vogel. We will have plenty of plenty of talk about the Orlando Magic's offseason, and if you have any late Orlando Magic questions about this season, feel free to drop them in the comments section right there. If you're watching live on Facebook Live, you can always, of course, tweet them at me as well. I'm planning on doing an Orlando Magic daily mailbag within the next couple of weeks, probably. Um, So to have your questions ready, I'll start liking them and and saving them for the mailbag uh, as we get into the offseason. Ruben Roman actually asked a good question. Who do you think they're scouting across seas um, as, as many of you know, Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel reporting that Jeff Weltman and John Hammond are both going to Europe for a scouting trip uh, this week. So don't expect a lot of news on the coaching front. Um, I would imagine that they're going to look at Luka Doncic, uh, presumptive number one pick in the draft. Um, there are also several other players that, that they would be looking at. Um, they could be possibly looking at, I mean, this idea popped in my head. They could be trying to interview David Blatt or get a sense of what David Blatt is doing and what he's looking to do as, as they go over to Europe. Um, but really, it's about um, making the database a little bit bigger. They've got the time. The, there's the opportunity to go watch some of these players. Um, it may not necessarily even be about this year's draft. It may be about next year's draft, or the draft after that, or just gaining intelligence on what's going on over over there and, 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 and kind of confirming with your own eyes what your international scouts are saying. So it's not that the Magic are going over there to specifically look at a player, although I'm sure they will make it a point to see Luka Doncic Play. Um, someone joked that the Magic might be looking at Giannis Tima play. They might be. The Magic still hold his rights. Um, but the, it's not necessarily about looking at a specific player. It's just it's about getting the time over there, getting you know talking with people there, getting your own intelligence, broadening your intelligence, broadening the information that you have, uh, and and moving on from there. So the the Magic obviously trying to do everything. Uh, you know, I think I think that's 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 really the operative word there. The Magic are trying to just kind of be on top of everything that they have and uh, make the most of the time that they have. They have some free time now. I mean you got the playoffs going on here. Um and so there's there's really the opportunity to to just to, to get this work in, to, to put this time in. So um not really uh not really anything else um there. Uh J McFoster asked Do you think in the off season Jonathan Isaac should work out with A D this summer? Uh, if they have a relationship— I mean, Jonathan Isaac should be working out with anyone he can. He should be trying to learn and soak up everything he can like a sponge. Um, I think people overrate the working out with a specific player type thing. It certainly can be useful. It certainly can be a, a, a good thing. But really, you're going to learn what you need to do from your individual coaches, from from playing uh, and, and from from for deciding what kind of player you want to be, I think that um, I think that a lot of Magic fans have this idea that, that Jonathan Isaac and Anthony Davis are the same player. Um, I I don't think they are. Um, uh, everyone asks me, is Jonathan Isaac going to be a center? And I'm like, no, no, he's not a center. He's like, I mean, just look at his body. He's not a center. He's big. He's tall, but he's not big and tall. That makes sense. He's not. He doesn't have the body of a center. I don't think he has the the physicality that you need to play that position. Um, I don't view Isaac and Anthony Davis as the same kind of player. Uh, If I were Jonathan Isaac and I were trying to model my game after someone, it'd be more Kevin Durant than Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is a center or a power forward center type player. That is his archetype, for lack of a better term. He is a guy that got guard skills growing up and grew. Uh, But he's not a center, Jonathan. Or he's a center. Jonathan Isaac is more of a wing. He's more of a defensive perimeter player, working on the working on the perimeter, working off the bounce. If I were Jonathan Isaac this summer, I'd be working on my ball handling. I'd be working on my jump shot. Um, I'd be watching tape and kind of beginning to understand more of the nuance of the NBA game, which which he said he he largely did this this year. Um, So can he be a poor man's Durant, as as Bobby Tyrone asks? Maybe. I mean, that shot's got a long way to go. Let's, let's be clear. And, and, and I think, you know, if Isaac wants to be a big-time offensive player, that's more the direction that he wants to go and more the direction he wants to model his game after. Uh, but I, I, honestly, I was very encouraged with Isaac. I thought he was a lot better than I thought he'd be uh, defensively, at least offensively. We know he has a long way to go. Um, so he's a bit of a project, and, and, and we'll see how much he develops this summer. Uh, Mikey Clark asks, why did did the Magic keep Matt Hill but fire the rest of the coaching staff? That is a really good question, and I don't think we've gotten a, a clear answer on that. Matt um, Hill, before becoming an assistant coach this year, this was his first year as an assistant coach, so maybe it's a contractual thing where he's got more time on his deal than everyone else on, uh, on the staff. Um, he became an assistant coach after really being the Magic's video coordinator, almost. Uh, he was a guy... That worked a lot with with the uh, with the scout with the scouting tools that they have with the video tools that they have, uh, and so, it, it, I mean, I'm I'm speculating here, but really, uh, Mac or really Matt Hill, he adds value to the team outside of his job as as an assistant coach. This was his first year as an assistant coach. This was his first year being on the bench, um, and, and so there's there's probably something they still like there. Um, you know, but, but his role for the most part with this team has largely been on the video side, largely been on trying to, uh, try or or trying to develop technology even to or or understanding the technology that the team uses to break down video that that's, he's been with the team since Jacques Vaughn was hired. Um, but he's had various behind the scenes roles. The only thing they've used him for really is he's 6'10. So he's a big guy that they can, they can use against the other centers on the team. Uh, so I'm not 100% sure why he was the only one retained. These are just guesses on my part. He does add value, I think, to the franchise and to the organization outside of his um, outside of his uh, role as an assistant coach. But yeah, it was definitely odd to see that he was the only one kept uh, on the Magic's front office. Um, again, uh, Ruben Roman asked if I was AG, "I would try to train under T-Mac this summer if T-Mac's willing to work with him." Uh, Ag's got to initiate it. That the team can't initiate it because TMac is is not allowed to have like player contact coordinated through the team. Uh, but if Ag wa- if Gordon wants to initiate it, he should absolutely do it. Um, you know, I think I, at this point, I trust Aaron Gordon to get his work in. Um, he's developed really well doing whatever he's doing. Uh, whenever he's been healthy in the summer, he has been a really strong player um, and and has shown the ability to grow his game on his own. So I. I I, again, I think the working with legends thing is a little overhyped, is a little little overrated. Um I, I don't think it I mean it has value. I think talking to the guy, understanding things, getting some tips and pointers from them is good. but really, their work's gonna be with those individual coaches, with those with those training coaches that they hire over the offseason there there are a ton of them. I mean Drew Hanlon's a famous one. Uh, you know there, there there are a lot of them out there. Um, and, and so you got to trust the guys that, that you're working with and, and, and understand what you want to add to your game. It's not so much about going to a, a legend and saying, teach me what you know. Those guys may not be good teachers, those guys may not be able to teach what they know. Um, so you got to worry about what you want to add to your game and whatnot. I mean, I, I saw a comment somewhere um, the, along these lines saying, you know, Dwight went to Hakeem and, and really didn't learn anything. And that's not true. Dwight did learn things from Hakeem, but, you know, everyone kind of goes to Hakeem as this, as this post-guru. And, you know, outside of Kobe, has it really helped anyone? Has it really made anyone better? Um, so it's definitely definitely a big, big deal there. Uh, so we'll we'll see again uh, what happens this summer. Um, you know, obviously the guys are already on vacation. I saw Evan on Instagram is back in France. Uh, Aaron Gordon's taking a little vacation with his girlfriend in the Bahamas. Uh, Mario Zonia is still in the gym working because he's Mario Zonia and he's a crazy person. Um, but... Uh, obviously, the Magic are off and running this summer, um, so we will see what happens there, um, obviously. We'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep an eye on what the Magic are doing this summer, but let them have their vacation. Let them have some break. Uh, it's, it's certainly well-deserved after the season. Let's dive into what we're here to talk about today, though, and that is the Daylight NBA Playoff Preview. As you can see, if you're watching on Facebook Live, I've got my big board all set up with the NBA playoffs. You've got the playoffs here and here. You've got the draft here and here. The empty spaces are for teams that, that traded their picks, and I don't have extra buttons for them. But um, you can see here Orlando sitting fifth in the lottery odds. We'll have plenty to come for the lottery before the May 15th. We're, we're a month away, 30 days away from the NBA draft lottery. A lot to do before then. And, of course, the NBA draft combine. It's taking place immediately after the NBA Draft Lottery this year. It's something new that the team is doing or that the league is doing. Uh, They're holding the NBA Draft Lottery in Chicago this year at the site of the NBA Draft Combine so that all the big players will be there and uh, they'll have to talk to some of these teams and and they're hoping to to eliminate some of the chicanery that happens there and just get everyone in in the Combine system and and, and get their measurements done there. Um, Of course... Uh, we're here to talk about the playoffs. I want you know, I, 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 this is a Magic blog. This is a Magic site, but we do like to take a big picture look. And everyone's interested. Who do I think is going to win the NBA championship? What do I think is going to happen in the NBA playoffs? So let's start with the Eastern Conference, going series by series, talking about. Uh, what to expect in each of these series. Again, if you have any magic questions, I'll I'll answer them and pop them in. If you have any comments, be sure to leave them in the comment section below as well. I want to hear what your predictions are as well. So let's start with the Raptors and Wizards. We saw them play game one yesterday. Congratulations to the Toronto Raptors. You have finally won a game one of a series. That's fantastic. A 1-0 series lead is great. Um, If you've talked with me online, you know that I am a big fan of what the Toronto Raptors have done. I, I think that the way they built their team is really admirable they they haven't had the breakaway star and yet they've had tremendous success first seed in the eastern conference not the favorite to win the east and and I'll, and I'll explain that in a bit too but they have they to me they are a perfect regular season team and they haven't been able to figure things out in the playoffs and to see them play the way they did yesterday which was you know facing some adversity uh playing really well for stretches um, struggling in others but but finding a way to pull away and get that victory over the Wizards um, was really, really good, and, and it makes you feel good that, that the Raptors may have turned over a leaf. Um, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry have had noted playoff struggles. They've notably, they've notably had their issues throughout the seat throughout their careers in the postseason, but they played really, really well last night. I thought, or played really, played decently well. Serge Ibaka obviously leading the team in scoring in that game. The biggest issue with this with this series for Toronto is John Wall. How do you handle John Wall? Um, he's clearly good enough to change the game in this, change the series. And you know I, what I think is really interesting about the Eastern Conference is it feels like there there are at least two series where the team that's favored to win the series doesn't have the best player. And that, that, that that's an interesting thing about some of the other series as well. I would argue that about the the Portland New Orleans series as well. The the best play, you know, you you always say if you have the best player in a series, you have a chance to win. Um, John Wall is probably the best player in that series. That's no disrespect to Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, but I think you can make an argument that John Wall is the best player in that series. And that was on display, I thought, throughout game one that Wall could, by sheer will, keep his team in the game. If he's able to get to the basket, if he's able to make some jumpers, he is absolutely dangerous and absolutely a player that can win a couple games in that series. Where I think Washington falls short is obviously their depth. We saw them struggle against Orlando on Wednesday, really struggle in a game that they needed to win to, to avoid playing Toronto. They could have climbed to, to you know six and played Philadelphia, which probably wouldn't have been much better. They could have stayed in seventh and played Boston, which I think was the ideal for a lot of teams with the way Celtics have been injured. But I think Toronto ultimately wins the series. I have the Raptors in five. Um, I think Washington will get one somewhere down the road. Wouldn't surprise me if they get two. But I think Toronto wins that series fairly easily, and I think they move on to the Eastern Conference semifinals. Let's take care of the other game from the Eastern Conference from yesterday, Miami versus Philadelphia. This has been a series that a lot of people said was the worst possible matchup for the Philadelphia 76ers, especially without Joel Embiid. Uh, I think that a lot of people still overrate Hassan Whiteside. If you watched yesterday's game, Hassan Whiteside does not look very interested in this team and not look very interested in playing uh, for the Miami Heat right now. That's 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 really kind of the sad part. I think he wanted to be the man. He wanted to be the guy you dump the ball into and, and, and let him score. And That's not his game. That's not who he is. That's never been who he is. He's been a strong defender, and he'll still play strong defense occasionally. But keeping him engaged has really been the issue for the Miami Heat and really what's kind of broken the quote-unquote Heat culture. They're still good enough to make the playoffs, obviously, but you look at Philadelphia. They're not going to shoot like they did in game one. And so I think Miami will bounce back. I think Miami will give Philadelphia some problems. But that Sixers team is so incredibly talented. I think uh, we, we saw this last night, or Saturday night. I think we saw what uh, what the veteran presence of J.J. Redick, Marco Bellinelli, Ersan Oyasova, and Amir Johnson really do for that team. Uh, they really give it some balance. They really give them... Uh, a strong base to stand on. Those are all guys that have been through wars and been through uh, a lot of a lot of struggle throughout their basketball careers. Um, they know what these moments are like. And, and they stepped up big in that third quarter to help help Philadelphia pull away from Miami. It'd be remiss if I didn't mention Ben Simmons, of course. Ben Simmons is still the driver of that engine, and like I said, they're probably the best player in that series, which is incredible for a rookie. Um I, and, 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 of course, as everyone mentions, they don't even have Joel Embiid yet. Philadelphia is a really dangerous team. Mikey Clark points this out. I think Philly will surprise a few teams and face the Cavs in the conference finals. Um, they, I mean, the, the pathway is open for Philadelphia to reach the conference finals. It is not crazy to think. And I actually posited this yesterday. You know, With, with that window open, it's really scary how much experience this Philadelphia team is going to get this year. How, much, how many battles they're going to go through this year. I talk a lot about Toronto, and I love Toronto, and I love what they do, but Toronto knows their window is now. They have to get to the finals now. They have to do things now because Cleveland might be fading, but Philadelphia is coming. Boston is coming. There's not a lot of time. There's not a lot of time for Philadelphia to make that progress, and I'm not ready to say they're going to make the finals. In fact, I, would, I don't even have Philadelphia making conference finals and I'll explain that in a moment, but um, I, I think that Philadelphia is going to go through some of these growing pains and go through some of these learning pains this year. They're going to overachieve them. They've already overachieved getting the three seed. They're coming. They're very good. They're very talented. And after LeBron's done running the East, it's probably Philadelphia's Easter run. I've got the Sixers in six over Miami, possibly five. Um, I think that that you're right, Philadelphia shouldn't fear anyone, but they're gonna they're gonna go through some growing pains. Ben Simmons won't be this good in his first playoffs the uh, whole time. If he is, then we got a really special kid. Um, I mean that that it takes a lot of lot of um um they 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 it takes a lot to 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 play this well for an entire playoffs in your rookie season. It's, I don't think it's really ever been done. Let's get to today's games and start off with today's series. Boston Milwaukee the two seven a uh, really interesting series, I have to say. I, I think that this series is, was probably the hardest one for me to pick um, because, like I said, I, I do subscribe to the best player in the series theory. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the series. Um, playoff Giannis is going to put up a lot of points, is going to put up a big performance. Uh, he's going to have to make this Milwaukee team play and, and win. Milwaukee really struggled all season long. Um, they were good enough to get to sneak into the playoffs. They good enough to be in the playoffs. But they have not been the team that everyone wants them to be, especially on the defensive end. However, they draw a Boston team that is dealing with a lot of injuries. Kyrie Irving is out. Mark, Marcus Smart is out. They're relying on a lot of young guys too. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Mar- Al Horford's going to have to carry this team, and that's really not what he's good at. What I really like about Boston, though, is their coaching. Brad Stevens is one of the best coaches in the league. Um, he gets his team ready to play. They play hard for him. They play together for him. And what, what really separates Boston to me is their defense. They're going to make Milwaukee play grinded out games. They're going to make Milwaukee play in the half court, and they're going to stop Milwaukee more often than not. Giannis is going to have to be big. Chris Middleton is going to have to be big. But that bench isn't scaring anyone. Boston's going to keep Boston keeps coming at you in waves. They've got a deep bench. While they don't have, while they don't have a ton of experience. I will bet on defense in the playoffs over offense. I have the Celtics in seven over Milwaukee. I think this series is really close. I think Boston has enough, has just enough defense to beat the Bucs and the Bucs' firepower with Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think Giannis has a great series, though, uh, but I think Milwaukee ultimately falls short, and I take Boston over Milwaukee. Let's go ahead and move some, move some teams forward. We'll, we'll keep track of my predictions here. So, got one conference semifinal set here. The final series, Cleveland versus Indiana. I know a lot of Magic fans are gonna be wa- are gonna kind of be hate watching this series because of Victor Oladipo, uh, but um, I, I think that this is the kind of worst matchup for any team. You know, you want to avoid Cleveland because while Cleveland's defense has been absolutely terrible all season long, they turn it on in the playoffs. They know how to turn it on in the playoffs. They know how to to race ahead, um, but. Uh, um, We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bet. Um, but, uh, but Cleveland is Cleveland. They're the best team in the league. LeBron James goes crazy in the playoffs. Um, I like Indiana. I think they've had a fantastic season. I think that, that we don't give them enough credit. They've really changed identities in the middle of the season, and Victor Oladipo great. But this is Victor Oladipo's first real playoff experience. He got a little taste of it last year as a supporting player. This is him as the guy. This is him with probably LeBron James guarding him late in games. I don't see Indiana doing much in this series. I've got Cleveland in four. Cleveland, I have Cleveland sweeping Indiana and advancing to the conference semifinals. So that, that's the, that's my basic preview of the first round of the playoffs. Um, it should be a good first round. I'm actually really intrigued with a lot of these series. I think Toronto-Washington, despite it being short, is going to be interesting. Boston-Milwaukee is obviously going to be really, really good. Um, but I think... The second round of the playoffs is where the East gets really interesting. You look at these matchups here, potential matchups: Toronto, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Boston. Toronto, Cleveland, to me, sorry Boston, sorry Philadelphia, are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. This, to me, is the Eastern Conference Finals. I think whoever comes out of that 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 blood bloodbath is going to be um, going to be the team that wins. Uh, Toronto and Cleveland, to me, are the two best teams. Uh, and I I like Toronto a lot more than maybe I have before. But I think Cleveland still gets it. I'm not going to doubt LeBron until he gets beat in this conference. Toronto to me just doesn't have the firepower. I think that they they or they do have the firepower, but I think in the playoffs they get a little tight. I think that they 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 struggle a little bit. And so you know, Sam Scubala, Orlando Magic Daily Stafford on here asks um, projecting 40-bit here, but do you think the Cav- the Raptors, if they progress, can take the Cavs beyond five games with Serge Ibaka as their best and only certifiable big? I think they can. And I think in, in that series, you're going to see less Jonas Valanciunas at center and more Serge Ibaka at center because of the Cavs' tendency to play smaller. But I think ultimately the Raptors lose in six. I think the Raptors are better. I think that they push Cleveland a little bit more. But I think LeBron is just too much. I think the Cavs are destined to go to another finals it's LeBron. It's LeBron freaking James. In this other series, a lot of people are ready to hop on the star power of Philadelphia. A lot of people on the, on the chat here discussing the Sixers and their, and their rebuild. Sam Hinkie was smart. He was willing to take a big gamble with his franchise. Um, the ownership was willing to take that big gamble with him for the most part. Um, he was smart in collecting assets. Uh, you know, I think luck had a lot to do with it. I think luck really did play a big role in them being where they are now. But I think their culture, I think that the, 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 the identity that they built, um, I think that identity also played a huge role too. And I think they'd be successful, maybe not to this extent, no matter where they ended up drafting. But they got good draft picks. They got high draft picks. They used them well, and they hit on every single one. This is what happens when you hit on the draft people. The Magic have not hit on the draft in the same way. A lot of people want to compare the Magic to the Sixers. I've talked about it. It's really about building culture, building development, and hitting on the draft, hitting on the draft late too. It's not just about the early picks, it's the late picks, it's the Robert Covingtons, it's the T.J. McConnells, it's finding those guys that you can cost control. Philadelphia's going to have to pay some of these guys eventually. And that's when we'll kind of see them waver and, and see what direction they want to go And it's Dario Saric isn't a restricted free agent yet, but when he hits restricted free agency it's going to be really interesting to see what they do, because he does a lot for them. But can they really afford to pay him what he's going to probably get? Philadelphia was really smart with asset management. That's why they're where they're, they're at now. Um, they, they got the high draft picks. That's why they're at where they're at now. And they were patient enough to wait through injuries with several of them, including Markel Fultz, including Joel Embiid, including Ben Simmons. They all have sent, they all had a gap year. And that made the Sixers better in the end. But here Philadelphia is in the conference semifinals, like, or at least protected to be in there. And everyone's saying they have a clear path to the conference finals. I'm not there yet. I think by the time you reach this stage of the playoffs, Kyrie Irving will be back. I think the Boston defense is really good. Philadelphia's defense is really good, too. And I think the Celtics have the versatility to beat um, to beat them. Actually, Donald, the, the Magic and the Sixers have been building for the same period of time. Um, the Sixers actually started a year later than the Magic. Uh, so, But I, again, I, I don't like comparing rebuilds. I think each situation is unique. I think each... Um, Each hand that's dealt to you is unique. The assets you have available to you are unique, um, and you can't really compare them. The Magic, really, when they traded Dwight Howard and started this rebuild, had nothing. They had to just dump everything they could to just start over. They had no other choice. They couldn't keep Keto Turkulu and Jason Richardson and all those and, and Dwight Howard. They had to just dump what they had and start over. They did that. And they built up some nice assets, but they never got the guy that put them over the top. They never won the lottery when they needed to win it or made the pick to, and developed the guy into what they needed him to be, to be a leader, to be a star, to be a culture set. They had the wrong coach to begin with. Jacques Vaughn was not the right coach. Brett Brown was the right coach for Philadelphia. So I don't like to, build, I don't like to compare rebuilds. I think that, 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 that it's, it's unfair to everyone. Everyone advances on their own time. And when you try to speed up that process, what was, what was smart about what Philadelphia did was they never sped up the process. They let things grow naturally because they believed in the guys they drafted. The Magic tried to speed up the process. They didn't quite believe in the guys that they had. They tried to push them and challenge them. And when they didn't, when they weren't ready for it or they didn't succeed in that pushing, <clears throat> excuse me, um, when they didn't succeed in that pushing, they panicked and lost faith in all their guys. And that's why the Magic are... When they where they really are at. So Orlando definitely, definitely um, has a long way to go. And, 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 I, and I don't think the Philadelphia model works for everyone. And in fact, I think the problem with the Philadelphia model is now everyone believes it works, and so everyone's trying to copy it. And so now that everyone's trying to do it, the odds of success doing the Philadelphia model are not as good. I think that's the truth. The Magic originally tried to go the OKC model, tank a year, tank another year, and then slowly build up. Um, they just lost patience in their guys, and they didn't have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. So that's that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what model that, the, that, that Jeff Weltman follows or, or how the Magic proceed from here. But back to this playoff series. If Kyrie Irving's back by the conference semifinals, which I suspect he will be, even though Joel Embiid will be back, I still like Boston's defense. I trust Boston's experience. I trust their defense. Um, I think that it'll be a close series. I think that both these conference semifinal series will be fantastic, uh, and so I'm taking Boston over Philadelphia in the conference semifinals. Um, like I said earlier, I'm not doubting LeBron James until LeBron James loses in, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I'm taking the Cavs over the Celtics and back into the East, back into the NBA Finals. LeBron continuing his incredible final streak, uh, so I'm taking the Cavaliers there as well. Um, just it's LeBron. They have the pieces, they have the guys, That they're, they're, they're little. They're, they're the trades that they made at the deadline really set them up well, uh, so I'm taking Cleveland to uh, return to the NBA Finals. Let's uh get some of these questions out, out of the way here. Jonathan Cross asking, I consider Jonathan Isaac, Isaac a transcendent player. Any other players at that height that can move like him? Maybe Giannis, that's it. Um, he is a potentially transcendent player. His offense has to come a long way, though. hes I, I know like Giannis was kind of the same deal. Like He was just kind of this bundle of length and potential his first year. Um, as several players said, talking about Isaac at the end of the year, he's going to be as good as he wants to be. If he's willing to put in the work, if he's willing to work on his game and make those improvements, he's going to be a very good basketball player in this league. There's, there's no way around it. He's going to take that next big step for for himself it's all got to come from him it's all got to be inside here it's all got to be within him to make that that leap um the offense has to come he's got to get a consistent jumper uh, and, and if he does that he's going to take a huge step forward he's going to be a very good player um I think that uh, I think that 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 Isaac his defensive potential is so great that he'll be in the league for a very, very long time. Um, but it's it's going to be a process. I, I don't think it'll be three years like like Brendan Chavis is saying. I think we'll see flashes of it more next year. Health is obviously a big factor with him. Um, but I think we will continue to see Isaac grow. I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about him. You want to temper expectations, let's, no, let's, not, let's not call him Giannis yet. Uh, but obviously a really talented, really special player um, there. Uh, Brendan Chavis also asks, uh, "Would it be a surprise to you if the Magic took Trey Young in the draft?" Um, no, it wouldn't. Um, Magic right now fifth in the lottery odds. Um, it, it, they obviously need a point guard. They obviously need scoring. If they like Trey Young enough, they will take him. At this point, um, at this point, I don't think any any pick would be a surprise. I would. I'd be a little shocked if they took Marvin Bagley or Michael Porter Jr. Um, because I expect them to re-sign Aaron Gordon, but it wouldn't surprise me if they took them either. Where the Magic are sitting in fifth, where the Magic are sitting within their franchise progress, they have to take the best player available. Whoever that is, they have to take the best player available. Um, That's just the bottom line. Um, And so if you think Trey Young is the best player available at five, you take him. I'm still decently high on Trey Young. I haven't jumped off the Trey Young bandwagon. I was never really on the Trae Young bandwagon. I definitely saw a lot of his flaws. Uh, and so I wanted... So I was always telling the people who were like, Magic should just take Trey Young if he's number one. Um, I was never on that bandwagon. I think he has a lot of problems with his turnovers. Um, I don't think those will, go, those will go away. He's got to improve his ball handling with his left hand especially. I think he's got to improve his shot selection. I'm curious how much an NBA environment will change for him. Um, but... Undoubtedly, I think the potential for him to be kind of a, a defense warping a figure, like a Stephen Curry is, is really hard to pass up. I think that that is, um, I think that that is a, a big deal too. Um, Donald, is, as I said, you know, you take the best player available. I don't think Michael Porter is the best player available. I kind of have him off my board. I have Marvin Bagley off my board too because of the positional fit. Um, so I, I don't think you're crazy to say that and be a little bit afraid of that. But um, back back to Trey Young. Um, you know, I, I think what's going to be really—it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. Um, you know, I've heard some 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 rumors that that some people have Sexton over him still. Um, so I think that it'll be interesting to see what direction the Magic go uh, on draft night. We got to play the lottery first. So I, I, I would tell anyone who's who's thinking about the draft, don't fall in love with anybody. Don't fall in love with uh, a, a single player or say this is who the Magic should pick and they should only pick this guy. Don't do that. Not until after the lottery, at least. Let's see where the Magic are picking. Um, I, I, if the Magic are taking one, you take Luka Doncic and you don't think about it. Um, if the Magic are picking two, you take DeAndre Ayton or Luka Doncic and you don't think about it. The draft to me really begins at three. At three, um, you, at three, you start talking about Bamba. You start talking about Jackson. You start talking about Trey Young. You start talking about Bagley and and Porter uh, and, and really like like I said, there's really six or seven guys in this draft that you feel really comfortable taking. Uh, so. Um, I would wait until the lottery to figure out exactly what direction the manager should go. Um, if they take Young, great. If they take Bamba, great. If they take Jackson, great. If they take McCall Bridges, great. If they take um, Young, great. If they take Sexton, okay, I can, I can buy that. Um, you're not going to solve all your problems in one draft. You're not going to solve all your problems. So you got to, you've got to just get a piece that fits, a piece that helps set your culture, the kind of culture and kind of program you want to build, And go from there. It's just a piece of the puzzle. It's not the entire puzzle. Mark Ng asks, probably getting sick of his Zonia questions, but do you think Weltman would be willing to let go of players like Terrence Ross and Wesson Wundu to make it more intriguing for his Zonia to stay? No. Uh, That's the one thing you don't do. Um, You don't trade away a player assuming you're going to get something down the road. You don't do that. Um, I just think that that's just not smart business. Because what if you do that and Azonia still leaves. Then what then you're left holding the bag? Um, you have your discussions with Mario Azonia, and you tell him exactly what your expectations are, and you have an honest discussion say, if you do X, Y, and Z, you will play. Or right now we envision you, or your new coach sitting there envisions you playing this role for this many minutes. You be upfront about that. And you still say everything is earned. You've earned this. You've earned this statement from us, this belief and faith in us. And we'd like to have you back to play this specific role. And if that's what Azonia wants, if that's the best that Azonia can get, then he'll sign. He's made it clear he wants to stay in Orlando. He's, he's, or publicly, he's made it clear he'd like to stay in Orlando. He'd like to finish a job. He'd like, you know, he'd like to, to be in this comfort zone. But he's got to take care of himself too. And I'm sure his agent is telling him that too. This summer you got to take care of yourself. You got to find a contract. Because I mean, before this season, he could have been out of the NBA at the end of the season. Beginning of the season, it looked like he could have been out of the NBA. Um so I think that there I think that Izonia is definitely in in a weird spot. Um I don't think you move off of guys to assume Izonia will be there. You get Izonia first and then you clear the path to him to play. Because essentially, if Azonia beats out Terrence Ross, you're going to trade Terrence Ross anyway. Wes Do, I wouldn't worry about him. I think is a better player than Awundu at this point. Mikey Clark asks, Unfortunately, because of injuries, we didn't see a lot of evidence, but how do you see Isaac and Gordon's pairing for the future? Both players have to continue improving their shooting. That's step one. But the early signs from their defense together was very, very good. I think the Magic had a 94. They had a a 92 or 93 defensive rating when Gordon and Isaac were on the floor together. Really small sample size, obviously. But I think overall, you like the idea of them switching and and just causing havoc defensively. Add like a defensive center, like a Mobamba even in the draft, and all of a sudden, that front court looks really daunting. You're not going to get into the paint against that group because they can just switch everything. They can protect the rim. They'll make plays. Isaac says he's still going to get better defensively. Gordon, I think could refocus on defense and then get back to where he was. Um, there, there's a lot to like about that group defensively. Uh, and so I would, I, w- I, definitely am very intrigued and want to see that group continue to grow together. Um, Jonathan Cross asked, what part of Gordon's game should we work on in the offseason? Shot selection is a big one. Um, I think he needs to focus on not taking so many off-balance shots. Um, if he's going to insist on dribbling around so much, He needs to improve his passing and understanding of where players are on the court to to be a better playmaker. Be a threat off the pass as much as you are on a shot. It felt like every time he was dribbling around, probing, trying to go one-on-one, it was to look for a shot for him. I'd like to see Gordon grow and look to make shots for others. Um, He's got to still continue to improve his three-point shot. I think that's a continuing process for him. Uh, But, you know, I I think if Gordon works on those things, you know, kind of continuing to to, to solidify what he worked on last summer to get to where he was this year, he will continue to take those steps forward that the Magic want to see. Um, Eric Garcia asked, do you think they will take AG's advice and get a lengthy player who can play multiple positions uh, like a Michael Porter Jr.? Um, I don't think they'll go necessarily after Michael Porter Jr. because where do you play Michael Porter Jr.? You've got Aaron Gordon, you got Jonathan Isaac playing the 3 and the 4. So, they have those rangy players. I think what he's really maybe saying is a center, um a, a rim protecting center or a point guard or guard that can also switch with the 2s two, and 3s. Um so I think that's a that's a that's more of the factor. I think the Magic have to continue trying to collect players like that. Um, you know, maybe Macal Bridges uh with the number two, uh, you know, playing the 2 would, would would be someone that that he's kind of thinking of, but Really, it's, it's still more about player development. It's still more about Isaac getting on the floor. Gordon didn't play a lot with Isaac. Um, doing that will provide that kind of switching that, that you want to see. So uh, definitely, definitely interesting. Uh, Eric Garcia says, should AG play the Draymond Green role at the five? Um, this is the really interesting question that I get all the time. Um, it's mostly about Isaac playing the five. Everyone's like, oh, Jonathan Isaac can play the five, like Draymond Green. Well, remember this about Draymond Green playing the center. The Warriors don't use that lineup very much. In fact, the Warriors only really use that lineup maybe two or three minutes at a time at the end of quarters. They use it as kind of a changeup almost. It's not something they throw out there all the time. It's not something that they play with regularly. They still use a center most of the time. But the end of the second quarter, if the game's like a five-point game, they'll throw that lineup out there for the final two or three minutes and turn that five-point game into a 10-point game they'll double their lead they'll they'll go on that big run and teams aren't quite ready for it when it comes so I think that um I think that uh that that we we will see more lineups with an Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac at the four and the five I think that that's eventually something the magic will get to but again it's a change-up lineup it's not a lineup you use normally so yes I think we will see that lineup and see that role kind of develop, but I don't think it's regular. I don't think it's something that you should really, like, plan your whole life around. Um, So I I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, Let's see here. Um, That just about does all the questions. I like the Bomba pick. I agree, Brendan, that the Magic do need to get a point guard at some point. Um, Like I've said... I don't think you can solve all your problems in one summer. I don't think that you can get everything done uh, in one sitting. Uh, but, but um, I think that uh, I think that, that you have to just get a puzzle piece, a piece of the puzzle more than anything else. Let's move on now to the Western Conference playoffs run through those real fast, uh, starting with yesterday's games. San Antonio Spurs and the Golden State Warriors. Golden State obviously down Stephen Curry for the next week or so. Um, Spurs down Kawhi Leonard until he's back. I guess um, it, it's hard to pick against the Spurs. It's hard to, to, to believe that the Spurs are kind of at their end. But this is a very depleted, very young Spurs team. Uh, and and Golden State is still Golden State. We saw that last. We saw that yesterday afternoon. Golden State's really, really good still. Golden State still has a ton of talent. They're still a very difficult team to deal with. And so. I can't pick against Golden State. I can't pick a long series in this first round. Golden State is just not a team that's going to be troubled with whoever they play in the first round, even if it's San Antonio. I've got the Warriors in five because of my respect for the Spurs, but I have the Warriors moving on to the second round. That second series from yesterday um, was really interesting as well. Portland-New Orleans, I think, is going to be a really interesting series. Kind of like I said earlier in the show, uh, when you have the best player in a series, you always have a chance to win. Anthony Davis proved last night he is by far the best player in that series. Uh, but I still like Portland in this series. Um, I think they're the more complete team. I think they've got better depth and and while I think Drew Holiday played a really nice game last night, um, I, I don't think Anthony Davis can, can carry that team by himself against a team like Portland. Damon Lillard's gonna have a big game. He's gonna have a few big games. They move the ball really well. They've got some great pieces. I like Portland to defeat New Orleans in seven games. I think it's going to be a close series, but I've got the Blazers beating beating the, the, the Pelicans. I think that they're the better team overall. Um, and, and, and while I like Anthony Davis, and I think Davis will carry them pretty close to the end, um, I, I think that he just doesn't have quite enough on his own. Let's get to today's games here. Houston and Minnesota, so happy. I'm so happy for the Minnesota Timberwolves to finally make the playoffs after 13 years outside of the playoff picture. Um, full disclosure, um, I, I worked for the Timberwolves for a summer, so I do have a soft spot for them. They are the Magic's sister franchise as well, so I, I, I always want to see them do well um, because I think that, that it's that it's nice that the two franchises entered the same, entered the same year, so we're always kind of tied together. Um, but this is a terrible matchup for Minnesota. They've got talent, undoubtedly, with Carl Anthony Towns, with Andrew Wiggins, with Jimmy Butler. You'd think that would be enough to get you a game, especially especially with the uh, raucous crowd that I would expect for Target Center uh, uh, in game three I would suspect that if Minnesota's gonna win a game it's gonna be that one That Minnesota's defense is really bad Minnesota's defense struggles a ton uh, and Houston is not the team to struggle with defensively I think that um, I think that Houston is going to pull away and win this series very easily in four maybe five games maybe I give Minnesota game three because that 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 is going to be um, Going to be a crazy atmosphere. Uh, I have Houston winning that series easily. I think Houston. I'll talk about Houston in a moment, but I think Houston is really, really good, and, and, and I think they're going to make for a very interesting postseason. See, uh, Oklahoma City almost said Seattle. Oklahoma City and Utah going to be a very interesting series as well. Um, I think that. Um, I think that uh, Oklahoma City, Utah, going to, is going to really be an interesting test of wills. Russell Westbrook and his just complete onslaught at the rim versus Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz, um, and their they're share-it-all offense. Um, Utah has actually played like the second-best team in the league for much of the season, or for, for the second half of the season. They were really, really good. Once Gobert came back, their defense took off, their offense took off, Donovan Mitchell obviously took off, uh, and they've played really, really well. And they're a really dangerous team, and, and I think um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they match up with Oklahoma City's star power. At the end of the day, I'm still taking Russell Westbrook. I'm still taking Oklahoma City in this series. I think Utah can win it, but I think Oklahoma City takes it in seven. I think that the Thunder um, are, are going to have just enough that that the star power is going to matter and that Oklahoma City is going to win the series, a uh, very, very tight series at that. Um, should, should set up a great conference semifinals here. Uh, Houston-Oklahoma City, like I said, I think the Rockets are by far the best team, are, are, are the best team here. Um, I think that Oklahoma City will take a game or two, but Houston wins that series five or six games very, very easily, moving on to the conference finals. And Golden State, Portland just keeps running in the Golden State buzzsaw. Portland can't beat Golden State. Golden State wins in four. They sweep them, they get Steph Curry back, and they move to the conference finals. Um, Houston-Golden State is the series we're all waiting on. Um, I I think that there's no way around it. That is the series that we all want to see. I think that's the series that we most of us think they're the two best teams in the league, and that really is the NBA Finals, and I would agree. This is the NBA Finals. These are the two best teams in the league. Um, I, I think that Golden State and Houston, they're both so good. I, I'm so torn about how this series is going to go. Um, I think the injuries have really hurt Golden State. I think by this point they might have a rhythm, or they might face more injuries. I think Houston has been really good. I think people don't give Houston their offense enough credit for what they've done. I don't think they give their defense enough credit for what they've done. Um, And I think that if there's a time to beat Golden State, now is the time to do it. They're sitting fat and happy after their title last year. They've dealt with injuries. They're weakened. Maybe not by this point in the year, though. Who knows? I think Houston upsets Golden State. I think Houston uses that home court advantage. I think that they get... I think that they get... to get them in seven games, I think that they find a way to get the stops that they need. Um, you know, I I think that their offense is good enough. Golden State could win it. I, I I think that it's absolutely, um, absolutely possible. But I got the Rockets over the Warriors in seven right now. I I just think Houston has has it. This I think that they have it. Hard has been so good. Um, Golden State just it just feels like if there's a year to pick off Golden State, it's this year. This is the year to do it. Um, and so. I'm giving Golden State. I'm giving Houston the benefit of that doubt. Um, I'm scoring the upset. We don't see a lot of upsets in the NBA. This is an upset. I'm going to take the Rockets. I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be that guy that says that this is the year the Warriors kind of sit fat and happy, and next year the Warriors just run through the playoffs because they're angry and, and they want that title back, and that's what championship teams do. It's tough to go to the finals every single year. Um, you know, ask Cleveland. It's it's really really tough. Um, but Houston has to do it this year. I agree with Donald there. Houston has to do it this year. This is the year Golden State is weakened. Um, you got him. You you go back to that series they lost to Cleveland. The way Cleveland got him, Stephen Curry was injured. Draymond Green was suspended. If they're hurt, you got to pick them off. That's when you got to do it. This is the year for Houston. I think Houston gets to the finals, and I think that they actually win the title. Um, and I don't think they'll have much problem with Cleveland. Um, Cleveland has a scoring to keep up with them, but I don't think they have the defense. I have the Houston Rockets in five games over Cleveland. I just don't think Cleveland will be able to keep up with Houston's offense uh, and and scoring. And so I have the Houston Rockets as my NBA champions. Shades of 1995. Boo. Um, But I have the Houston Rockets topping the Cleveland Cavaliers and winning the NBA championship. Those are my finals predictions. I'd love to know yours. Share them with me online at Philip R underscore or on Twitter at On Magic. You can of course share them in the comment section here, but we'll be wrapping up in just a moment. A couple people talking about some point guards for the Magic. I know that's a big deal for Magic fans at the moment. Um, the the there are a lot of Jonathan Cross notes this. I like point guards later in the draft like Javon Carter and Jalen Brunson. I agree completely. I think that there are some really interesting. Point guards that you can grab late in the draft. They may not be guys that you develop eventually into starters, but they're solid. They'll eventually, hopefully, take over the reins from DJ Augustin over the course of the 2019 season. And then you can start fishing around for your point guard there. Um, so there, there are definitely some, some strong candidates, I think, uh, for the Magic to look at the point guard position later on in the draft. You can find some in free agency. Or, you know, I don't think going with DJ Augustin again is ideal but I don't think it's a terrible idea either. Again, you're not going to build this whole thing up in a single year. So make the right choice. Don't make the fast choice, as, as he said, as Jeff Weltman said. Jasmine Hawkins asked a question that we've been debating vigorously on the Orlando Magic Daily Slack channel. What do what do you think if the Magic went after Dante Exum? I like Dante Exum a lot. I am still a believer in Dante Exum. Um, I, I think that uh, Exum... His, his issue's been health. It's not been his play. When you watch him play with the Jazz right now, limited minutes granted, great defender, great athleticism, but like everyone else seemingly on this Magic team, he would have to develop his jumper. His jumper is so far away, I'm not ready to hand the reins over to him as a starting point guard. He is a restricted free agent this summer, um, and I think the Jazz match him. I don't think the Jazz let him go. If you're Utah, the one thing you cannot do is let young players leave you. Young, talented players leaving. You have to pay those guys. Um, I don't know what kind of contract he'll get, but I imagine whatever the Magic would be able to pay him, Utah would be willing to match. Um, You're not going to give him the full mid-level, which is about $8 million a year. Um, I I just think Utah matches that. Um, I I think Utah is going to be determined to keep him, and unless he gets a crazy, crazy contract, um, Utah is going to keep him next season. Um, I just think that that's really the reality of it. Um, and, and so I, I like the idea of going after Dante Exum. I think he fits the culture that the Magic want to build. Defensively, Magic would need to find some offense somewhere. But overall, I, I think that, that the Jazz keep him. Uh, and so I'm, I, I don't know what that really does for Orlando. Um, you know, I, go after him, obviously. If you like him enough, go after him but, and see if Utah matches. Uh, but again, the last thing the Magic need to do is commit more money to, to, to guys. Um, if, if the Magic are going to take a flyer on someone, offer the mid-level to a guy like Isaiah Thomas and, and see if you can resurrect his career uh, and, and get some favor with him. Um, keeps your boat steady for a year, perhaps get some butts in seats maybe, Get some, has some moments, uh, can play that point guard position, but um, I don't think even he's a long-term solution. Um, people have asked, even if we trade Evan for him, you wouldn't trade Evan Fournier for Dante Axum. Um it, the Jazz would need to throw in a lot more salary, so you'd have to take another bad salary with it. Um, I've heard that the Jazz's interest in Evan Fournier has been overstated by the media. Um, a lot of people would argue the Jazz just need shooting. They need someone that can play the two and shoot the ball, and Evan Fournier and Rudy Gobert are friends. Um, I, don't think, I don't think the Jazz do that. Um, I don't think that the Jazz uh, want to do that. Um, the Magic don't have the cap space to make the sign-in trade possible, even if you trade Evan Fournier. Um, so... I don't think, and the Jazz, I don't think have the cap space to acquire Evan Fournier, even if you do a sign and trade as well. So I just don't think that that is a realistic option. Um, I don't think that that that, that is the direction the Jazz want to go. Again, I think the Jazz want to keep Exum. I think that they like Exum. Um, So I think that that's not the direction the team goes. Um, Wrapping up here, I want to make sure we get out of here in time for the playoff game here. Uh, Mikey Clark asks, "Who is your favorite for the head coaching role?" I'll be very happy with Jerry Stackhouse. My favorite right now is Nick Nurse, the assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors. He's kind of their offensive coordinator and a shooting coach as well. Um, both Bismack Biyombo and Terrence Ross described him as my guy uh, when asked about him at exit interviews. Um, I think Nurse is is a really good coach. Um, he's obviously done wonders with that Raptors offense. Uh, I think he would be a really strong fit for this Magic team. Um, Bring in a defensive coordinator with him. Uh, I think Stackhouse would be good too. Um, I have him on my list, as, on my short list as well. Um, but right now, I'm just like, anytime I hear a coach's name, like I was watching the the Raptors-Wizards game and P.J. Carlissimo was on broadcast. I was like, huh, P.J. Carlissimo might be good. Um, so like, I, I I see a coach at this point, I think, huh, they might be good. You know, my list right now is probably really Nick Nurse, Jerry Stackhouse. I'd go for David Blatt. Um, I, I think that he'd be really good. Igor Koskosko... Igor Kokoskov from the Utah Jazz, I think, would be a really strong assistant coach. He was an assistant coach under Jacques Vaughn, left to go to Utah, um, has done some really good things there. One Eurobasket with Sylvania, which is not a small thing to do as well. Um, I don't see David Fisdale uh, coming to Orlando. I think he wants to go to a situation that's a little bit closer to winning. Uh, the Magic are probably going to have to go for a coach that has never been an NBA head coach before. Um, you know, those guys, you know, that are a little more established. They want to go someplace they know they can succeed because if they lose that second job, they may not get another opportunity. So they want to go someplace where the front office has a lot of faith in them, gives them the freedom to do what they want to do, and they can win fairly quickly within the first couple, or within the first two or three years because they know how quickly they're gone. I mean, that's the reality of coaching. Right now, the Magic need a coach that they're willing to commit to for four years and literally four years. Um, and, you know, I don't think a Fizdale is going to wait that long. I don't think he wants to... Be in that situation uh, for that long. I don't think Jason Kidd wants to be in that situation for very long. Uh, so uh, you know, Monty Williams is a name that I've heard come up a lot. Uh, Magic front, Magic ownership really likes him. Um, he could be interesting. I wasn't a huge fan of everything he did in New Orleans. Um, I think New Orleans fans would say he kind of underachieved, but um, didn't really grow that team perfectly. Um, I think that he, I think he deserves a second chance somewhere. Um, I wouldn't mind him. I don't think he'd be the worst hire. I think he'd be solid actually. Um, but I, I'd be curious if he's really your long-term coach. Um you'll kinda I think I think Monty Williams is the kind of coach that gets you from where the magic are at now to the playoffs, but not much further. Um, you want to try and find a coach that's gonna be a Brett Brown and be there for every part of the process. Um, but maybe that's that maybe that's thinking too big or thinking too much. Um so Monty Williams among the experienced coaches, among the kind of retread coaches. Monty Williams is the guy I would definitely take a look at. I know Magic fans have also talked about Daryl Armstrong. I've floated out there Cheryl Reeve, the head coach of the Minnesota Lynx, but that's because I'm a huge Lynx fan and I love the work that she's done in the WNBA. Um, I don't think that, uh, as far as that, as far as her or Becky Hammond, um, I don't think the Magic are the best situation for that glass ceiling to get broken. I think that this is a situation that is not Set up, necessar- set up 100% for success, um, so you don't want to take... I hate saying it's a risk to take a woman coach. I don't think you want to take that kind of a public relations gamble um, and have it blow up in your face and, and really, honestly, have it be ruined for all other women coaches. But at the same time, someone's got to take that bullet. Someone's got to take that chance. Um, there are good women coaches out there. Uh, between Becky Hammond between, and Cheryl Reeve, I think either one of them could do a great job with an NBA team, but you gotta get buy-in. You gotta have success early, I think, and and I think that's the ultimate risk um, with with taking that kind that taking that kind of a coach right now, is you know the Magic just aren't going to have success immediately, and you don't want you know you don't want them to get tuned out quickly. Uh, but I would throw I you know honestly if the Magic gave Cheryl Reeve an interview, if the Magic gave uh, Becky Hammond an interview, I think that would be fantastic. I don't know if they get the job quite yet but I'd, be, I'd love to see them get an opportunity to get the job um, at the very, very least. Um, and, and again, I'm a big fan of Cheryl Reeve. I think what she's done in Minnesota has been fantastic. We'll have plenty of time to talk about the coaching search in a moment or throughout the course of the season. But for now, this is going to do it for the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live for the season. We'll probably be back again next season. But I want to thank everyone who joined the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. Over the course of the year, you've seen the big board evolve over the course of the season. We'll be back again next year, hopefully, with the North Magic Daily Facebook Live. But we'll still have Locked On Magic. You can, of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Enter, tune in all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can check that out almost every day. We're going to kind of scale things back a little bit, maybe go three or four days a week um, the rest of the offseason heading into the draft, and then we'll kick it back up to, to daily once the draft starts up again. Um, You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philipr__omd. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnMagic. You can follow uh, the site as well at omagicdaily. And, of course, check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Every day, we're starting our player evaluations this week, so plenty of great content. We're finishing up our recap of the season. But I want to thank you all again for commenting, for joining us here every Sunday during the season for this Facebook Live. I hope this experiment was fantastic. I hope you got a lot out of it. If you have... Any suggestions, always be feel Always feel free to email me at omagicdaily@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode, for watching today's episode, the season finale of the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. Until next season or until tomorrow, who knows. This has been Philip Rosman of Locked On Magic and Orlando Magic Daily. Thanks again for watching the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live, and we'll see you all Tuesday on another episode of Locked On. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day.